Hello and welcome to our online service today. My name is Julie Rudd and I'm a member here at Brighton Road Baptist Church. May I extend a very warm welcome to you as you join us with us at our service today. In worship this morning, the theme for our service continues to focus on people of prayer. Later, we will listen as Tim Carter, our senior minister, brings God's word to us as we learn from the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Also in our service today, we'll hear from several members of our community who are involved in house groups. They will share with you how over the past year, prayer has been of ultimate importance as the constant amongst them as they have cared for one another and in a time when they've needed to adapt many other things as a way of interacting. We'll also focus on prayer together for our new church vision, seeking collectively to discern God's will for the future of our church community. But before all of this, Let's commence our time together by declaring God's greatness and sovereignty in our lives as we worship him singing together the great hymn, Tell Out My Soul, The Greatness of the Lord. Let us pray together. Lord, we come before you on this new day. As the sun has risen, may your hope rise up in us. As the birds sing, may your love flow out of us. As the light floods the new day with hope and promise, may your joy shine through us. We come before you, O Lord, and drink in these moments of peace, that we may carry something of your hope, your love and your joy today in our hearts. Equip us, Lord God, 
through our worship together to live lives more reflective of your love and of your good news. We ask these things in your name. Amen. faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Amen. As we worship together this morning, I thought it would be an encouragement to us all to hear from some of our members who attend house groups and who have continued to meet together throughout the period of lockdown. As you listen, you will hear how these groups have kept strong in their contact with each other as part of our extended church family. We'll hear how many have found Zoom to be a real benefit to connect 
with family members of the church across the miles and across county boundaries. We'll hear about them finding new ways to show God's love and be inclusive together in a time that's felt very isolated. But above all, we will hear about the power of prayer within our church community. We usually meet here on Wednesday afternoons. We're quite a diverse group. Uh, we uh, lots of different activities and interests. But of an age, we are all retired and uh, through our 70s and into our mid 80s. Some are long-standing members of the group, so we know each other well. Others are more recent. Now, when it comes to lockdown, uh, some groups use Zoom, but we couldn't because some of us can't. <laughs> so, the other ways and means. We continue to use the house group scheduled program, and so we created some studies. I created some studies to be able to send round to the group by email, those who are on the internet, and those not, then I could print them off and drop them round. So everybody was included. And uh, for the one with the poor eyesight, I could enlarge the typeface and uh, they could have their copy as well. So nobody was excluded from the studies on the Wednesdays. In between lockdowns, we were able to use a church hall. And that was good because we could actually meet for an hour and see each other. Although hearing was a little difficult because we all had to wear masks and we had to sit round a table at some distance and the 10 or 11 of us quite filled up the room. Um, so that wasn't quite so easy and not as pleasant as we'd have liked, but we were together and that was great. Uh, seeing each other and, and having the time to study and we could also pray together, which was uh, unique at that time, but we couldn't sing. For the second lockdown again, it was similar. For the first, uh, this time we had a study book, which was Meeting with God, a Life Builder series and uh, I sent round some additional notes um, and uh, some ideas that came to me and um, that also with perhaps a hymn or a, a prayer that was applicable or sort of keeping the ideas going and in the future well it won't be long now two or three weeks and we'll be able to meet back in the, the hall uh, under restrictions of course and then again we hope maybe June or July we'll be able to meet in the garden or maybe indoors again which would be good uh, we can meet fully to, uh, to to study to pray and just to share fellowship together mm. um, during that time um, we've been able to pray for each other the big thing is communication because isolation is a huge problem uh, within the lockdown particularly for those living alone and so keeping in contact by telephoning around regularly uh, has been invaluable just to chat about nothing in particular or about particular needs which we could share sometimes around the group sometimes just individually and um, then also Ian has been keeping us uh, informed through the Bible Society Bible a month um, where we sort of donate every time we meet and, and we've been able to give over 300 Bibles through that abroad and also keeps us in contact with the overseas work of Bible Society so we get a wider vision of God's work around the world and that's good. So we have that contact um, with each other, uh, somebody to myself or myself to somebody else and we have that contact of course with God, that triangle that works together uh, where we're supporting each other and, and have a week we feel we know we've got that God's strength behind us and encouraging us, keeping us going. We're not alone in God's family. Meet at Hillside at our house when we can, although we've been so grateful for Zoom because it's enabled us to do amazing things that uh, wouldn't have happened otherwise. In fact, we, we have about 20 members on the register. Um, we normally average about 15, 16 on Zoom, and that includes several members who just wouldn't get there were it not for for Zoom. Um, Peter and Pat Downs have just moved down to Devon but they still want to remain members. Um, we have Val Nash and several of them that live way outside Horsham but are happy to come in and join us. And our normal method of service or when we could meet uh, we would have a, 
a time of singing together, lots of lovely songs that we, we would sing together. Um, then we would have a, a teaching session or study session, followed by a, a prayer session, when we would pray very much for each other and the needs of our own families and friends and the needs of the church and so on. Uh, we found it a really uplifting time to, to meet together like that each each week. Other things we, we've done during our time is we, we have visiting speakers. Um, and while we've been on Zoom, we've had Ken Carter came and spoke to us, and that was really good. Um, Julie, Julie Shimizu came and uh, talked with us. And at the same time, Kelly from the Eagle Project, when she was still in this country, she joined us, and, and that was really a good meeting. Um, and last week, uh, Michael came uh, and uh, told us how he became a Christian and uh, um, really inspiring. To start with, one of the things we enjoyed doing, Robin and Errol invited all the members, six at a time, or at least six altogether, to come and have tea in their garden. And that was a really good time together. It went on over several weeks. Um, and we've kept in touch, and particularly Errol has kept in touch with members by, by telephone. And we have two, Jessica's good at talking on telephones. And uh, th these prayer sessions that I was saying, that, that's very important to us uh, and has upheld us a lot during this, this last few months. Hello, I'm Richard and I'm a member of the Button House Group, which is led by my wife, Christine. In March of last year, because of the pandemic, we had to stop our house group meetings, but by July, we'd started again using Zoom with the help of the church office. All of our regular members transferred to Zoom, and in fact, attendances have increased because there are fewer competing events. We've also welcomed new members to the group during that time. Some aspects of our traditional house group meetings haven't worked so well on Zoom. Listening to music, singing, open prayer, those important one-to-one -one conversations, and of course refreshments. Our meetings on Zoom have therefore, therefore been shorter because we've now concentrate on Bible study, on lead prayer, and on sharing news and information about each other's lives and families so that we can pray for each other in our private prayer times. Between meetings, we keep in touch with each other by email so that we can share news and developments and support each other in prayer. And this means a lot to our house group members. At one recent meeting, we were happily involved as uh, news came through of a new grandchild being born to two of our house group members. At our most recent meeting, Christine asked us to give some thought to the future of the house group as the, as the lockdown uh, and other restrictions are lifted so that we can plan together going forward and this we'll be discussing together at our next meeting. Hi, it's my privilege to coordinate the, uh, the life groups or the house groups at Brighton Road and it's been so great to hear what's going on um, in the different groups and how they've managed to support each other through lockdown. We'd also like uh, for everybody in Brighton Road to be in a house group. So um, I'd like to invite you to get in touch with the office. Um, and of course, that means that we actually won't have enough space in the current groups. So we also um, are looking for people who would like to lead groups or start groups. No, don't actually have to lead it every time, uh, whether that's on Zoom, um, in person, in houses, um, or if you'd like to start a group that's got an interest. Um, and those that spring to mind are things like walking groups, mountain biking, whatever your thing is, um, we would like to start groups which um, which do this, but still are Brighton Road, still have uh, the vision uh, that we have for the gospel uh, and for looking after people and worshipping God um, and fellowshipping together. Uh, there are so many opportunities for groups, either in the current groups or in new groups. So uh, do get in touch with the office if you would like to be part of that. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> 
tisícit. For our prayers of intercession today, we're going to focus on the proposed new church vision. This has been inspired from a verse in Zechariah chapter 8, which says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Old men and old women shall again sit in the seats of Jerusalem, each with a staff in hand because of great age, and the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls plain in the street. As we think about coming out of lockdown and as we think about a renewed vision of an extended church family, this seems very appropriate. Let's refresh ourselves about the vision. An extended family where anyone and everyone is welcomed to a wide range of activities which make them feel at home and which equip us all to live our lives for Jesus with a shared sense of unity and purpose. Father, we bring before you all those who are part of our church family. We especially pray for those who are unwell and for those who have lost loved ones, that your healing and comfort will be with them. We ask you to bless anyone who feels lonely or isolated, or who is worried about employment or money. We pray for our ministers, leaders and staff, that you will give them your guidance and protection. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. Lord, help us all to take responsibility for welcoming one another into our church family whether long-serving or a newcomer, whether young, old or in between. May each and every one feel that we have a place in our fellowship. We thank you, Lord, for our welcome team, our pastoral team and our ministers. May we learn from their example how to show your hospitality and care to all. Help us to show your love and warm welcome to our neighbours and our community. And Lord, as we work with and support those doing your work on the mission field, may we always show them your welcoming love and support. Lord, in your mercy, hear yeah. our yeah. prayer. Father, as we make decisions about what activities will take place after the lockdown ends, we pray that you will give us wisdom and discernment. Guide us to an understanding of what activities should restart and what new activities should begin, so that we can connect with the wider community in an effective way. Help us to welcome everyone who connects with our church, so that everyone feels welcome. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our prayer. Lord, we ask that you will show us the way going forward. Equip us with the knowledge, the courage and the abilities to do your work here in Horsham as part of our church fellowship. We pray especially for the areas of family work and the potential of opening up a Renew and Wellbeing Cafe. Lord, only you know the way forward on these projects. We thank you that you have prompted members of our fellowship to champion these initiatives and we ask for your guidance and understanding on how to proceed. Above all, Lord, we ask you to prompt us to know how to build and deepen our relationship with you. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. Father, we pray for unity in our church at Brighton Road. Help us all to work together to further our vision. We pray that this will be a fellowship where everyone feels encouraged and supported, 
and part of an extended church family and that we will be able to live for Christ in our community. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We bring these things before you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's Bible reading is taken from Luke 18, verses 9 to 14, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some, who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humbled themselves will be exalted. Religion, it's a dangerous thing. It can give us a false sense of security about how we stand with God. After all, what are religious observances but things we do for God's sake? So it's only a very small step from practising our religion to supposing that doing so puts us in God's good books. But Jesus told this little parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector 
to undermine any such misplaced confidence in our own goodness. The Pharisee, he had impeccable religious credentials. He did all that was required of him and more. And in fairness to him, that had a positive impact on how he lived his life. He wasn't a hypocrite who used his religion to mask his own moral shortcomings. He was a good man who had no skeletons in his cupboard. There's a bit of a debate about whether Jesus was caricaturing the prayer of a righteous man when he told this parable, whether those listening to him would have recognised that this man's spiritual life was a bit of a sham. I'm not sure that it was. What the man prays, how he prays, these things seem to me to be in clear continuity with the kind of spirituality you find in Psalm 26, a psalm actually which is attributed to David. And in verses 4 to 8 we read, I don't sit with deceitful men, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, O Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. I love the house where you live, O Lord, the place where your glory dwells. So, like the author of this psalm, the Pharisee is quite confident of his own goodness as he praises God. So it's a bit disconcerting to discover that Jesus has a problem with this man's attitude. But that was part of the scandal of the gospel. Jesus warned that those who were confident that the best seats in God's kingdom had been reserved for them, well, they'd turn up at the door to find their names weren't even on the guest list. Shocking. So what was the problem? The problem, in essence, was one of self-righteousness, of thinking how good he was. The Pharisee epitomised the attitude of someone whose self-awareness was based on an unfounded conviction that they were in the right and that they were better than everyone else. Because I'm better than other people, it follows I'm good in God's sight. God will be pleased with me because I'm a religious person. But the disconcerting thing is that God actually isn't that bothered about religion. Going to church, saying your prayers, these things don't qualify you for VIP status in God's kingdom. Look at the Pharisee, how he prays in verse 11. There's some uncertainty about how to translate one phrase. In some English versions, we read he's standing by himself. He's keeping himself aloof. For him, being holy means making sure that there is a good expanse of clear blue water between him and the riffraff of society. Especially people like that tax collector. What's he doing here? What business has he got in God's house? Other versions say that in his prayers, the Pharisee prays about himself. And there's no denying that his prayer does rather boil down to reminding God about how scrupulous he is when it comes to doing the right thing. Other people, less kindly, point out that Luke's phrase could be taken to mean he was just praying to himself. So although his prayer was ostensibly addressed to God, he was actually so wrapped up in himself he wasn't really communicating with God at all. All that was happening was he was just processing his own thoughts in his own head. So Jesus contrasts this deeply religious Pharisee who is supremely confident of his own goodness and who is completely at home in the temple with the tax collector whose life has been such a mess that he feels totally out of place in God's house. He doesn't belong here. But at the end of the day, when the tax collector leaves the temple and goes back to his own house, Jesus says it's the tax collector who takes God home with him. He's the one who leaves the temple justified. He's the one who's right with God. How come? Well, this tax collector knows full well there is nothing in his own life that can commend him to God. Is he religious? No. Has he led a good life? No. Could he make favourable comparisons between himself and other people? No. So what does he bring to God? Absolutely nothing. 
He hardly dares come into the temple at all. He stands there beating his breast, not caring what other people will make of such abject behaviour. It's a measure of his shame. He cannot even bring himself to look up to heaven when he prays. All he can say is, God be merciful to me, a sinful man. It's a prayer that lacks any of the eloquence displayed by the Pharisee. You know, sometimes people tell me they're not very good at praying. And by that they mean they find it hard to string sentences together in a way that sounds good when they pray. But God isn't remotely bothered about the literary quality of our prayers. He's not really fussed about the words that we use. What he looks at is our heart. And from the depths of a guilty heart, this man cries out to God for mercy. Who knows what brought him to this place? It's one that most of us would far rather avoid. Meeting your own guilt and failure like this isn't good for anyone's self-esteem. Instinctively, we veer towards the path of self-justification. We haven't really done anything wrong, we say. If, if no one finds out, no real harm has happened. Wasn't all our fault anyway. Other people are to blame. We, we prefer to tough it out. We tell our conscience to stop bothering us. And God, well, God had better keep his distance too because coming to church stirs up all kinds of feelings of guilt that make us feel quite uncomfortable. Who knows whether this tax collector had been saying stuff like that to himself. Maybe he'd been doing so for years. But now perhaps something inside him had snapped and he knew there could be no more evading the issue. His guilt was real. It was unavoidable. So he came to the only place where he knew he would find forgiveness, the house of God. And in this parable, we find the paradox of divine justification. It's when we admit that we have got it wrong, that God sets us right. But if we defend our actions, if we persuade ourselves that we've done nothing wrong, then we may be able to justify ourselves in our own eyes, but we can never do so before God. God waits for us to come to that place of honest confession where we admit, it was my fault, I was to blame, the responsibility rests with me. And when we do that, he forgives us generously and freely and gladly and willingly, and when we know we're forgiven, it feels so good. Can you think of a time when you owned up to doing something wrong and you dreaded the consequences of doing so and the person concerned forgave you? It's such a feeling of relief. I remember an incident at work years ago when something had gone wrong and I realised I was the one who'd made the mistake. I remember going to the boss, admitting it was my fault, and his response was, don't worry, we don't have witch hunts here. Maybe you found it really difficult to be honest about what you've done, because over the years you've found that people have punished you or condemned you or ridiculed you for your behaviour, and you've learned it's safer just to keep quiet, simply been a matter of self-preservation. But God says, it's all right, you can tell me. That's what the tax collector did in the parable, and he walked out of the temple a free man. There really is something profoundly liberating about knowing that you have been forgiven. Your name has been cleared in the highest court in the universe. Everything is good between you and God. It is a most tremendous feeling. It's where worship starts, actually. And the place to begin is with a really simple prayer. And remember, it's not the words that matter, but what they express. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Or if you want to lose the religious jargon, God, forgive my failures. Listen, here is good news. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, to forgive you in your failure, 
to accept you as you are, to set you free from your past, to make you what you were meant to be. Listen to him. For through him, his father says to all who have come to him as you have come to him, you are forgiven. You are accepted. I will set you free. Thank you for joining us in worship today. Thank you to all the members of our church fellowship who have made great contributions to our service today and to Tim for bringing God's word. I wish you a good week ahead. May you feel God's presence alongside you as you journey through each day. Can I invite you then to join with me as we share in a benediction prayer together. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.
guides my ways in righteousness.